This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. As I had a wonderful guest, he's actually a comeback. We've had him before. Uh, His name's Thane Marcus. You can check him out. It was around 2019, I want to say, sometime in September, October. I'll have the actual episode in the show notes. You can check that out. Um, where we did our first interview. This is our second, where we had him back on. Thanes, we just had a good gel experience. We really vibe with each other and so forth. And he's just an amazing guy and excited for the work he's doing. He's got his second book out and a bunch of other great things that he's up to. I want to make sure to share. And for those who have not heard about Thane, Thane is a former professional golfer turned writer, podcaster, and entrepreneur. He's after competing over three years on different tours all over the U.S. and the world. He is now taking the professional athlete's mindset to every everyday people in everyday's life. 
Through the collaboration business he is building, Vane is come, coming alongside freelancers, business owners, and fellow entrepreneurs to help them be more efficient and effective in the work that they are doing. He is also passionate about all things fitness, health, and wellness, coffee, after working as a barista for three plus years, he now runs a side business called Collaboration Coffee and ultimately does everything for the purpose of bringing honor and glory to God. Check this episode out. I'm very excited to have him on. We had some good vibes. He actually twisted, he turned the tables there for a quick second and started asking me questions, which was fun, uh, but um, had a great time with him. It's a very laid back, more of a conversation piece uh, between the both of us as we've already had him on before. Uh, so we don't normally go over the story and normal things that you hear when I do an interview with someone. It's more of just welcome to the show. How's life when we get into things? So with no further ado, here is Thane Marcus. Dane, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, Vic. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a little bit of some time since I've had you back on here. And uh, I will say, uh, as you know, it has been one hectic ride uh, since mm. the last episode. And uh, I know we were just discussing a little bit before jumping on here. But, you know, it's one of the things where uh, I know for myself and others, it's been it's been that roller coaster, right? And mm-hmm. how to navigate through the waters of all this. Um, how has that journey? You know, how's it been for you? Well, I think adventure is the best word to describe it. You know, I I kind of heaped on a little bit more adventure than maybe I bargained for, in that I ended up moving and getting married in March, right at the beginning of the kind of outbreak here in America, and. Uh, that that was quite an adventure. And really, my word of the year coming into the year was already adventure, because with getting married and moving, I knew that it was going to be a fun, wild ride. But little did I know how much of an adventure it would be. Um, but, you know, it really is an interesting uh, human experiment. I think we've all been in in the sense of how do we collectively as a human population handle adversity how do we handle challenges and setbacks as a whole? Um, and when everyone's in that, how do we interact with each other in the midst of that change and challenge? Uh, and so there's been a lot of interesting things I think we've learned. I've learned about how we relate to each other and um, how as humans we can handle adversity. And, and one of the things I think that really uh, has come to surface is this idea from Nassim Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile, that you know, as humans, change is more the norm than not. Uh, and we've experienced an outsized proportion of it this year. Uh, but I, I think the goal should be how can we become humans that benefit and grow from change instead of just stay the same or get worse? How do we grow from it? And that's kind of the idea that he presents in Anti-Fragile that, I, you know, the timing of it, I couldn't have timed it better. I finished it kind of right before uh, the pandemic. And so that was framing a lot of my mindset as I, as I went through this year. And, and that was a helpful reframe for me. I love that. And when it comes to things like this, I mean, you got married, you made a move and all of a sudden, wham, here comes lockdowns, here comes uncertainty, here comes the things that we have all experienced. How does individuals, for yourself, I know for me, when it started to happen, I know my wife looked at me and she's like, okay, what if we shut, they shut down the office? What if they start to do this? And I said, hey, we'll meet it when it happens. But I go, technically, I'm a physician in the state of Illinois. I go, we're going to be essential. And then letters came out showing we were. And I said, we're fine. Now we just have to educate and empower our patients and help them understand how to adapt in this situation from a neurological perspective. But what is something that, like, I know what I did, but what is something, did you hook onto something? Did you see something this year? Did you have, like, I would say the word hope, but Mm -hmm. faith, uh, a belief? Um, What did you, in that process, how did you transition or what did you, how did you foresee the year? Or what were you telling yourself and things like that? Yeah, you know, hope definitely was a big part of it. I, I think that that is just a great word to encapsulate uh, the vision or perspective that I, I wanted to try to, my wife and I tried to hold hold on to, even when it's hard and we don't feel like it. You know, hope is a magical, it's a, it's a really empowering thing. And, and a lot of times when we hear this idea of hope, we think um, it's, uh, fantasical or it's you know not realistic and it's kind of childish but in reality it's a really powerful fuel for our lives um, and and it's just a reframing of our perspective a lot of times you know perspective there's always two different perspectives and if not more of any situation or thing we find ourselves in and hope is really choosing 
the one that's that's uh, more positive, that's more promising, that's more possibility in the future. And, and I ended up having uh, my second book come out on this called Catalyst for Hope this last year. And it's a shorter book just on uh, four different perspectives that we can kind of reframe um, our vision to create and uh, use the fuel of hope in our lives. Because really with hope, we are fueled and motivated to move forward, even when we don't know what's ahead, even when we aren't sure of where we're at now. Um, and and that, those leaning into that possibility of what's to come is really um, an empowering place. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a choice. I really do think it's a conscious choice because we've all experienced um, the effects of COVID. We've all experienced the effects of the shutdowns and all that's gone on. And then we have to choose what we do with it. And, and so it really does come down to us um, on what we choose to do. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to be realistic and say, this is really hard and this sucks. And we just have to be okay with that. Like, we can't change that. We can't um, wish it away. Uh, so we have to accept it, see where we're at. And then the hope piece comes in when we say, okay, I know I'm here now but there's hope for where I can be tomorrow and the next day and the next week. And I still have control on how I handle the situation. Um, and so I think, I think hope is a great word that has used a lot of um, I, I've used it a lot this year uh, in, in even framing my day of, of how I can approach a day, even when I'm feeling the weight of the world, literally, you know, as we've all felt uh, on our shoulders. Yeah, I agree. I like how you use the word choice because I think that's that's the big thing. You can choose and, and say, well, this is this is what I believe, this is where I'm going, or whatever it may be. And uh and you can and say this is where I'm gonna go, or you can let it take you and let it I always call it like the hurricane or the chaos of the storm, and you can let the storm just take you and you just hope and pray that and here's the word hope, but you just may you pray that you get through it or mm -hmm. wish that you get through it, rather than you're like, hey, I'm going to choose this, and this is reality I'm going to focus on. This is where I'm going to put my energy into, and then that is how I'm going to see things. And if it plays out, great. If it doesn't, at least I gave myself a chance to say I wished for that's where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And you know, I, I really don't think hope really happens by chance, right? Hope doesn't just show up magically. I, I think we have to choose it uh, again just to underscore that and i think we it's a practice too it's not something that just automatically is in every situation i think it's similar to like meditation it's a practice it's something we do throughout our lives um, and we can reframe and use throughout our lives by choosing it and by aligning ourselves with it uh, so I, I love what you said there and i think it's really true i love it and then when it comes to hope and choosing that you know, you gotta you gotta kind of guide yourself in that way. How do you and, and, and lead yourself through this? And I know we're gonna get into some talking about uh, uh, leadership and stuff. And I think this kind of is a perfect segue into that. How do you you know lead in that process with self lead? I should say um, yeah. when it comes to that process. Yeah, you know, just the the four kind of perspectives or shifts that I, I shared in the book, I think are helpful for this. And there are four P's uh, kind of for an alliteration to help us remember it. But the four P's are process, progress, possibility and purpose. So the first one process, the fact that we're in process, that the process is the point, not the destination that gives us a lot of hope that when we feel like we're never going to reach that destination, we know that the destination really isn't the goal anyways. It's just embracing and enjoying the process that we're in. And the fact that we're still in process, meaning there's still growth to come is such a hope filled thing. Um, progress is this idea that progress doesn't happen in leaps and bounds. It happens in baby steps. And so the fact that it happens in baby steps means that today I can take one of those steps. And the fact that I can make progress by simply taking one step is a really hope filling thing. Uh, the third one possibility uh, by leaning into and living in the possibility versus maybe what's probable. Uh, you know, there's a difference between possibility versus probability. You know, a lot of times we think, well, the likelihood of this probably isn't that great, right? And so we kind of fall back into a probability a spectrum versus just saying this is possible and I'm going to try to make this happen. Um, that unlocks a lot of hope. And then finally, purpose is obviously something that we hear a lot and for good reason, because by having a purpose is greater than ourselves and by living aligned and attached to that daily, we have so much hope, even when we can't see as clearly, even when we don't feel as um, 
chipper or as good on that day, we can still be aligned and attached to that purpose as a North Star to keep guiding us uh, through those daily decisions. Uh, and so those are just um, four different perspective shifts that that unlock a lot of that hope that help us, as you said, lead ourselves well, because we really do have to start with leading ourselves well before we ever can uh, hope to lead others well. I agree. Why do you think sometimes, because I love that when you use the word pro- progress and things like that, and a lot of times we get so caught up in um, like we want big things to happen. And I've used this before. It's not my terminology, but like breadcrumbs or crumbs. Mm. And the more you keep getting crumbs, eventually you can make a nice pie. I, mm. my end is the pie part. Don't ask me why <laughs> it could be cake. You can make it whatever you want, but it's just trying to make the puzzle, you know, put it in together mm. over time. Why is it so many times we get so hooked on more of the big rather than focusing on the little stuff for progress when we lead and go through things? Mm, that's a great illustration. I like that a lot. You know, I, I think it's because it's more sexy, right? We like the sound of it. We like the idea of it. We see it on movies. We hear about it online or in these amazing stories. And so we think it's possible and we think that that's what we need to try to accomplish. Uh, and I think about it as similarly, I think about it like as we want to jump to the 10th step. We want to take a massive leap to step number 10. Um, But what we don't realize is that in doing that, we actually set ourselves up for failure if we were able to do that, which most of the time there's really not shortcuts in life. Um, So, but say we were able to jump to the 10th step. Well, by jumping there and landing at the 10th step, we are not prepared to be in that place. By taking the nine steps to get there, we prepare ourselves for that 10th step. But if we take a massive jump and shortcut, then we're actually not prepared for the destination we arrive at. And usually that'll set us up for failure. Uh, And, you know, I think you can see this, unfortunately, in the extreme example of of people that get viral fame or win the lottery or become celebrities as a young child, right? All these people are set up for failure in the sense that they're not prepared for what they've been given in that 10th step. And that ends up often destroying their lives, and, and which is really sad. Uh, and so I think just understanding the downside or the downfall of that way of thinking helps us say, okay, that's not really sustainable. And that's not really that attainable either. Uh, and so how can I focus on what is sustainable? And what is the process for 99.9% of us? It's taking the nine steps to get to the 10th step. Um, and that helps us kind of be more patient with it and embrace it because it really will set us up for success better than the other way around. I love it. That sounds amazing. And it's one of the things too, where, you know, you sign up for failure, right? I always say short-term gains. Um, if you go for the short-term gain without doing some of the work and it's like a shortcut mm. or something like that, you're, you're sacrificing long-term growth. Yeah. In oh, that process. So yeah. What would make someone a good, I know you mentioned the four steps. You, you're probably going to reiterate that just in case. I just want to ask this question just to make sure it is that um, for the listeners. What makes a good self-leader? Well, you know, self-leadership is so important. It's been something I've really thought of more this year. I hadn't really thought of it much before this year, but as I've been thinking through this year and what I'm really passionate about, it's kind of centered in on self-leadership. And I I really strongly believe the two core competencies of a good self-leader is discipline and self-awareness. And it's really this idea of never settling uh, for less than you're capable of, which is discipline, and then taking ownership for your thoughts, actions, and behaviors. Um, and and that's take self-awareness. And if we can do that individually, that's what sets us up for success to be a good leader of others, right? Because if we start, if we set out to be a good leader of, of other people, which often what leadership is is equated to, we start um, we start attracting people and trying to influence people. But if we're not leading ourselves in a way that should be followed or or should be replicated, then eventually we're going to have um, a moral failure for us or for those that follow us. And it'll end up in a lot of hurt and pain for a lot of people. And, and I've experienced this myself in my own life. When we live with a lack of integrity or we live hypocritically as a leader, um, we cause a lot of pain. Uh, and so I've become really passionate about this idea of self-leadership. And really, it comes down to discipline and self-awareness first. I like that. Self-awareness, I think, is one of the biggest keys, even as 
uh, from as a leader, a business owner, a parent, I think self-awareness is one of those things where um, just plays a very crucial role uh, in, in every aspect of life because you're owning your stuff. You're being aware of what your stuff is and then handling it be without mm. instead of like, and maybe and correct me if I'm wrong, but instead of dumping it on others mm-hmm. uh, and just saying it's their problem, they're the issue, not me. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. 100%. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we all tend to naturally do, right? If, if there's a way we can excuse it or pass a blame to where we don't have to take ownership for that, we all will kind of default that way. I, I think taking ownership is kind of a muscle that you build and self-awareness isn't a destination. It's a practice. Again, it's something that we don't arrive at this place of being self-aware. I, I think it, we have to continue practicing it our whole lives. It's not, it's not an end destination to reach. I love that. It's true. And it's, and there's always something that's going to show up in life, right? As we evolve and we grow and we expand, there's new set of problems, new set of issues, new set of things that we have to work on, on our journey and what we're working through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I like to describe the process. It's because, you know, we do hear a lot of people nowadays talking about self-awareness and the importance of it. Right. And, and it's become kind of trendy or more of a buzzword. And and a lot of times we hear that, but we don't necessarily know what it means or how to accomplish it or how to grow in it. And and the way I like to describe it, that's really simplistic and easy to remember and understand is this threefold process uh, that goes, it's, past, present, and future. And so the way I describe it is discovering, understanding, and then optimizing. So discovering is is the past is looking back. And usually that's best done just sitting down with a pen and paper and saying, okay, uh, what happened here in this situation? Why did I do what I did? And what resulted from that? And just journaling about it and getting your thoughts out about it. That's how we discover who we are and why we did what we did and, and how we operate. Um, the understanding is much more of that present moment. Okay, in this moment with Vic, I'm, I'm talking and there's a dog outside barking. And so I got a little distracted. And then now I lost my train of thought. And so now I need to get back on track and focus on this conversation, right? So that's seeing myself in the moment, um, understanding what happened and recognizing it in real time uh, so that I can kind of self-correct as it's happening. That's the understanding phase. And then the optimizing phase is saying, okay, I know in this future situation, I typically act like this, but really I'd like to act like that. And so I'm going to work on priming or preparing myself so that I can behave how I want to or act or or show up in this situation, how I feel called to. Um, So I think those three simple phases of the process are really helpful because it's not like, you know, once we get to the third phase, we're done. We just kind of repeat the process for all three phases, but, but that gives us at least a process to work through um, so that we can see tangible growth in this arena. I think that's awesome. I think it's, it's a great way to, you know, sit with something, take it, learn it, grow. And then, as you said, it's a rinse and repeat model, right? It's something mm-hmm. that is always going to show up. I was interviewing someone when we talked about the, one of the inevitables of life is change. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we're always going to have to face. And it's something that we're going to always have to revisit because there's always something new. And I, and uh, I don't know if you would say this, but I'm going to say it. You let me know if you vibe with this, but I think it's also like the, the time we start to de-evolve is the moment we stop doing this. Mm, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Because nothing in life is stagnant, right? I mean, <laughs> there's, there's either growth or decay. And if that's what, I say, that's what I love about the never settling side of it, is if we don't make a choice, we're choosing to go down the path of least resistance, which means we are decaying in some manner, right? And so when we, when we don't choose to never settle, which is kind of that discipline piece, we're going to choose to settle, right? <laughs> so that the, the non-choice is the choice of the path of least resistance. And we all default to that as humans. There's no, there's no shame or guilt in that. That's part of being human, you know? I think we just need to recognize that, okay, if I don't choose, I'm going to go downstream. And if I want to go upstream, I have to put it in effort and I have to make a conscious choice with an intention, a reason why behind that. Because if I don't, that if I don't have a good enough reason why, I'm going to stop rowing because it's hard to go upstream. And I'm just going to start floating downstream again. So how do we, how do we fuel our lives with discipline by, by putting effort and intention into our actions so that we don't settle for the path of least resistance? I love that. Now, when it comes to when you become, what are the the symptoms of being a good self-leader? What I mean by that is, is what's the effect when you're a good self-leader? 
how do you affect people around you, your life? How, what, what shifts, changes, all that stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, um, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is integrity. It's living a life of integrity, meaning you are the person you say you are, who you want to be, and you're showing up each and every day in the world as that person. You know, it, it's funny because a lot of times nowadays with social media and other um, outlets, we can present ourselves however we want to, right? We can put a picture or an image of who we want to be and portray that to the world, but we all sniff out what's real and what's not. We all have a really good detector of BS, right? And so we think we can fool people into saying this is who I am when in reality I'm someone else. But even on social media, people can sniff some of that out. And then when they see or re re uh, meet you in real life and they see the discrepancy, uh, they're going to want to have nothing to do with you. Because in, at the end of the day, if we're going to lead ourselves, well, it starts with integrity. It starts with living a life of integrity. And that's the life that people are gravitated to, that are attracted to, and that want to follow a mimic. And really, we want to be living something that is beneficial for other people to replicate. We don't want to be living something that when other people follow, they're going to be setting themselves up for failure. That that sounds horrible, right? So so living a life of integrity is, is the number one symptom or result of good self-leadership. Um, and then from that, we can start uh, attaching ourselves to our purpose, our greater calling out of that identity. We, we, when we live with integrity with the identity of who we are, then we can start moving towards a, a direction with other people coming alongside us that produces a lot of uh, change for good. I love that, man. And I think it's, it, it all, you know, it's, the old saying goes, right? Everything starts from the top, mm. all the leadership whatever the leadership as the top is, that's how everything comes down. So if top bottom type of mindset and mentality. So I look at that in the way you're kind of explaining it too, is that if you take care of self, that's top, that's you, um, then everything you do from that moment, you will lead with that integrity, that vibe, that energy, that, that, uh, that presence um, where people want to get attracted. You know, when I was in chiropractic school, they used to say, when you're on fire, people want to come watch you burn. I never understood mm -hmm. that statement. I was like, I mean, I understood it. Like when you're living your passion and all that, and people are going to want to come. And I was like, man, why do I want to see you burn? But it started to make sense later down the road in life where I started to say, man, but when you're just living and doing you and living in your integrity and your word and honing to it, and you live with that passion, then all of a sudden people are just going to want to come try to be a part of it because they may not have it. Um, they have it, but they just haven't discovered it or not yeah. utilizing it, but they'll, they want to piggyback off that. And that's what I call the burn, um, to where it allows you to, you know, lead at that level and help individuals thrive in that process. Yeah. 100%. And you know, the other question i cause that was a great question you asked there. And, and the other question that I've been thinking about, um, is what are the elements or factors that corrupt leadership the most? And how do we counteract them as leaders, right? Because I think the, the starting out point for a lot of us is always going to be self-leadership. And how do we, what are the symptoms that, how do we produce that? But as you go through this journey throughout life and, and you get more responsibility or opportunities to lead, then how do you counteract the inevitable corrupting factors that go with leadership? And, and I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. So the corrupting factors of leadership, was that the yeah. question? Mm -hmm. and how it interferes with all that type of stuff. You know, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that one for a second. Let me come back to it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some of the things I've been thinking about is like with size, right, with, with the amount of people you're leading or the amount of influence you have, I feel like that has a natural corrupting factor to it because then we, we inevitably start thinking of ourselves as greater than we should, right? We start putting ourselves up on a pedestal because all these other people have. And then when we start believing that about ourselves, like we actually are better than X, Y, or Z or other human beings, then we start setting ourselves up for failure in a lot of ways, in my opinion, at least. Um, and I think that's kind of the whole power corrupts, you know, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely all that um, kind of those, those, um, those common phrases. And I, I think you see that with a certain amount of size, the bigger and bigger your leadership role becomes, the more and more of a temptation or a slide we can fall into of saying, oh, I am pretty hot stuff. You know, I am pretty good. I am, I am better than most in that sense. So 
I'm just curious, uh, you know, I, I've been asking that question a lot to myself and to others of, because I want to be proactive in counteracting that, right? I want to be proactive in setting up systems or um, mindsets or habits now uh, so that if I'm in that position down the road, I don't, I, I'm not corrupted by those same things because I'm human just like anyone else. And I know we all can fall prey to that. So it's been a question on my mind a lot. Yeah, I think when it, you know, there's a song that comes to mind that I live by. And it's one that I, if I, when I have kids, if I can teach them the lessons in the song, I, I've done my part. And it's uh, by Tim McGraw. And it's called Stay Humble and Kind. Mm. And the song and the verbiage, I think what happens is when people get up to that certain level, I think when you you get that corruption, you may have not have done it for all the right reasons, and I and I and I don't know for sure. Cause, I mean, I've gone to certain levels with this, but or you know, it's one of the things where you've built up so much confidence that you've had a weakness in you. There's got to be some sort of a void, or some side of survival mechanism, or something along that line that you were trying to prove others or do something along that aspect. To where all of a sudden you, um, when it gets to that level, then it's like you can see the the stuff that you haven't worked on that get really clear mm-hmm. um, starts to come out, and that's when you allow ego to kick in. That's when you mm-hmm. start to get like, oh, I can do this, or I'm this person now. So all of a sudden, and it's an it's a persona outside of you, forgetting who you really are and your humble mm-hmm. beginnings, where you came from, what was your why again? Why were you doing this in the first place? What was the mission behind what you want to do? And I think when we lose that. In just my opinion, I think that's when all of a sudden those things will show up. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Because that's yeah. how I think. Oh, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love that stay humble and kind. I mean, talk about a simple focus. You know, if you can just do those two things, it really does eliminate a lot of that ego, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you got to listen to the song. I highly recommend listeners go listen to it. Just read the lyrics. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal song, and and it's you know, it's like when you get to a certain level, don't you know, don't uh, always stay humble and kind. Don't forget where you come from, and and you know, always. And when you do get to the level you want to get to, pay it forward by helping someone who's starting that journey like you did. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful song, and and it really keeps you in that moment of. Hey, I'm doing this for these reasons, not because uh, financially or because of an image or because of whatever. Like I always tell people straightforward, I'm very transparent. Like I do these things like my podcast and stuff like that, because really, how can else I find people that have great conversations and learn from them and then they and, and have people get the benefit from that? Mm. That That is the pure reason why I have a podcast. There is nothing else behind it. Um, and it's one of those things where uh, no matter how big it may get or whatever may happen, that doesn't matter because it's, again, coming back to the main reason why I started in the first place. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, this is so good, Vic. I love I love all that. And, you know, it's it made me think, too, that um, part of I think the maybe the mindset shift we need is to not think of um, those positions as a destination again. Right. Like I, I think when we start saying my goal is to become CEO of this company. Uh, Cause a lot of times when we get there, then we just start to coast because we wanted that place. We didn't want that. What was after that place? What, what the, the requirements of that place were. And so if we, if we just say, I want to earn X amount of money. And once I do, then like my life is set. Then once we get to that place, we don't do anything with it. We just coast. We just start existing. And I think that's one of the corrupting factors, as you just mentioned, that we need to pay it forward. We need to use that position for good, which takes even more work than it did to get there. (laughs) And so if we just understand that going to those positions or places of leadership and and, uh, achieving or reaching that place just means that the work has just begun. It's not over. And and that helps us use it for good versus just protect our own interests at that point or our own position, which then starts decaying into corruption ultimately. Oh, totally. And that's why I don't like, I mean, I used to be a big goal guy. I'm not saying goals aren't important. They are never, never discussed that this, you know, saying tell people not to do that. But it was one of the things where to me, goals ended up becoming destinations because once I finished the goal, then what? Yeah. Right. And if I didn't have something else in my mind or a mindset or something I wanted to create, then all of a sudden it was like, okay. And you're just sharing it for me as a chiropractor. I wanted to get to a certain level in my business financially and all that. I thought that was what success success was. 
from all that I learned from chiropractors that were successful and what I saw. And then I got there and I'm like, mm, is this it? Mm-hmm. Like, this is everything that they're talking about. This is not what I want. And then there comes that time where you got to reconfigure. And I could have continued to live that life, but I had a process in myself where it was like, no, here's what I really want to do. Here's my, here's my truth. And here's my why. Mm. And you know what? It hasn't been going as well as I wanted, but I never really took the reins and said, I'm going to do that. because I let other things get in the way, fear and other things like that. And then you make the change. And all of a sudden now, two, three, four, five years later, I sit back and I'm, happier, less stress. I might not be making as much as I used to, but at the same token, I'm happier. And to mm-hmm. me, that's what matters most. Mm. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. In your process there, I'm really curious, um, when you were in that moment, what what helped you take the time to really dive deeper into that layer? Because I feel like so many people may reach that moment and then find other things to numb or Um, fill up their happiness quotient that aren't sustainable or helpful for them versus diving into another layer deeper of themselves to really figure out what what drives them or fulfills them what was helpful for you in that time because that's a hard thing to do I feel it it is for most people for me it wasn't as hard as it seems because and I'm not trying to say anything it's my upbringing Uh, you know I as a kid I had a lot of my power taken away I just had to deal with things I had to figure things out on my own and so I had to go through the hard stuff emotional hard stuff and maybe not getting what I want or whatever it was, but I had a lot of delayed gratification growing up. And in, in, in that, those moments taught me then when it came to a certain point, like I just didn't like the feeling I had. And that feeling for me was just not, I wasn't happy. And so Mm -hmm. I, I looked at it at a perspective and just said, you know what, I can continue. Yeah. Financially things are great. I can, you know, pretty much have anything I want, but at the same token, um, but I'm not happy. And, and for me, it was more about that. And I just said, I can't sit here with this. I have to do something different. And that feeling of uncomfortableness is what created the motivation and inspiration for me to make the drive the change. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back there. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not yeah. going to go back to those feelings. I don't want to go back to that place anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to ever have to experience that. So then I had to ask myself really hard questions of what I needed to do, the step process of how I had to do things. And you just, you know, you get to a point where you're just like, this is what I want to create. And that's the end of it. And this is what I'm going to go do. And it was amazing how things within three, four months had to go through some grind work to, it was some difficult times. Um, you know, I always tell the story, like we, we making that choice, my, my practice financially went down by like 40%, mm. but, um, within six months we rebounded back and we had more of a practice what we wanted. Mm. And, and then since then it's just been awesome, but it's, it's that feeling of getting into that. A lot of times I wrote a book on this, but it's all about the darkness. And a lot of times we run away from the darkness. We don't want those, we don't want to go into it. And it could be that, that uncomfortable feeling like I had, it could be your fears, your worries. Um, darkness can be a total plethora of names. Um, and so, but the key is sitting in it. And that's where I've been learned over time to, I had to learn how to sit with it. Anyhow, I was forced to, uh, as much as I hated it as a kid. But as I've grown up, I've learned to, you got to sit in that. And when you sit there, things are going to come and things are, you're going to get inspiration. You're going to get wisdom in there. You're going to see, you're going to like, to look at what we went through in the last year, almost here in the United States and in the world, right? We've all been forced into a state of darkness. If you chose to or not, um, you had to choose to sit in there or you tried to avoid it at all costs. And you're looking back at the year and you didn't do anything. And you're like, where'd this year go? I can't believe how fast it went. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the people that have used things to numb, to avoid. And there's nothing wrong with that if you chose that. Um, but then understand where you are in your life now that those choices have, have consequences to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That answers the question. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you know, it's like, like you said, darkness is is inevitable. There will be darkness just as much as our days are filled with half light, half dark, theoretically, right? So you you can't avoid it. You can't run away from it, but you can sit in it in those seasons or those times to learn from it and grow through it, which I think your story just shared was a beautiful illustration of that. Yeah. And then I think from there, you know, tying into what we've been talking about, I mean, that's where, you know, doing that, that allows you to lead then better, I think, right? Because, and I'll, I'll pick your brain on this a little bit too, because when you're coming from a place, we talked about integrity and things like that, and you're living your truth, right? Now, this is my truth of what I want to create. Um, I had to go through a lot of pinballs to get there. So it's not like I chose this way. I mean, I hit, I hit a roadblock, a roadblock, a roadblock. Okay. Readjust, roadblock, course correct, roadblock, course correct here. 
Um, but there comes a point where then all of a sudden I'm like, here's what I wanted to do. Here's what I really wanted to get to. And then you just start doing it and living by that integrity. When you start doing that, how do you become then when we look at, we talked a little bit about this before as a topic of like, you know, servant leadership, right? Mm -hmm. How does that come and play out then when you are in that state? Yeah. You know, I've been reading a lot about this in uh, Robert Greenleaf's book, uh, Servant Leadership, as it's titled. It's written in like the 70s. And he was a longtime employee at AT AT&T and executive there. And, um, you know, he is just a really great voice in this space in the the sense that it takes a sacrifice at all levels and especially at the top. And and he puts a big emphasis on the trustees, which are often the the board of uh, the the board of chair the chairman of the board and the the board members um, that help make governing decisions within companies and corporations. But really, you know, the case that he makes throughout the book is that servant leadership and the type of leadership that creates change within these big corporations or institutions always happens from within and not from externally. Um, And so a lot of times we think about like an external agent coming in from the outside and helping resolve or fix things going on. But without people within the company, especially large institutions, um, doing that necessary work at all levels, uh, it's kind of impossible to change. And I think if we look at today's world and all of the um, large institutions, whether it be education systems, uh, governments, companies, uh, et cetera, even churches, religion, right? All of them at a certain size are so hard to change and reform. And a lot of times they aren't necessarily uh, accomplishing the original vision or purpose or intention that they had set out to um, and have kind of turned into um, a divested interest through meeting the bottom line and making investors happy and all of these other aspects of it, or protecting our own interests. Um, and so, you know, when you think about the changes needed, I'm more and more convinced after, especially reading Robert's book, that um, there needs to be people within those institutions that are le- leading as servant leaders and choosing the harder path and making decisions and fighting for the reform that will be producing um, better uh, growth for the people that are affected by the institution. Um, and, and so I think that's a that's a big, complex thing. Um, but like you're talking about, this idea of servant leadership never stops, right? It doesn't end once we reach uh, a place of living into our true identity or living with integrity. It's not like we our role as a servant leader stops. We still have to keep serving and leading by serving others. Um, through our work. And then, and I think a big part of that's paying it forward. As you mentioned before, I think uh, we've been given a deposit uh, of giftings and talents and abilities, and and we need to pass that on to the next generation, to those underneath us, to those around us. And when we hang on to it, we try to protect it, or we try to preserve what we have and not lose it. That's when we get in trouble. Uh, And that happens at all levels for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that all, man. It's, it's one of the things where if you just look at, you know, success always leaves clues. And if you look at people who are massive billionaires, right, like the Bezos and the Elon mm-hmm. Musk and the Warren Buffett and those guys, it, as the older that they get and the more success they have, they say it's only in the relation to how much they keep giving back. Mm-hmm. Now you can look, you know, some people get in arguments like Bezos has been under a lot of heat lately and some other people. And I'm like, well, let's just stick to the main topic of, for those listeners who want to get on that that bandwagon, it's like, hold on, let's just think of the purpose though. They will tell you, we can't give away all our money Mm -hmm. um, because the more we keep giving is the more we keep getting. And it's, and it's the weirdest thing because as they get older, they, they want to give back uh, in some way, shape or form. And, and I think it's, it's coming back to what we're talking about, that servant leadership, serving and just, you know, helping others and serving and leading, you know, just serving others in general, mm-hmm. even from, um, you know, one of my mentors in, in, in chiropractic neurology, he'll always say that whenever you are in a state of depression or a rut, just get out and do something for someone mm. as yeah. simple as that. And he's like, because when you do that, he got, he talks about all the neurology, what it does to the brain and what it activates and all this, but long story short, it's going to get you into that frontal frontal lobe, specifically the prefrontal cortex, which is going to bring some uplifting emotions and mood, and it'll make you just feel that much little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. We're wired for it. You know, and the other thing is, uh, the other practice I found really helpful is just like watching a sunset. You know, when I watch the sun set over the horizon, 
it reminds me and it resets me to know that I am one of several billion on this planet and the world does not revolve around me and I am a part of a collective. And so I need to play my part. And that helps me kind of reset back into uh, me not being the center <laughs> of the universe, me being a fellow human being, and we need each other. And I, my role is to serve uh, alongside others in that. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's amazing when you do that, when you, when you really just, you know, it's like kind of giving with no expectations of getting anything mm. back. Yeah. Um, it, it really is uh, an uplifting process. And even for myself, I tell my wife, we got to get more into that as much as we possibly can. And we are looking at ways from a business side of like taking our percentage, percentage of our profits and just be like, you know, what, what's a cause that we're really passionate about mm. and uh, being able to say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and give a portion of our, we do this already just from our own profits at the end of the year. Uh, but it's like, no, our business now is logo. Here it is. And we're not doing it to try Cause I know some people do that for just to, Oh yeah, look what we do. So people are going to mm-hmm. spend more money there. Ours is like, no, we're passionate about this. This is what we do. This is who we're about. And we're going to go and do this regardless. And whether you want to be a part or not, doesn't matter to us because we're going to do it either way. Yeah. I love that. That's really sweet. That'll be fun to see. Yeah. In the process. But um, before we kind of wrap up, what is something that has been, um, what has been the biggest aha for you? in this last year, what's one of the biggest things that you gained? What did you learn most about yourself um, or in the whole process with the whole shutdown and everything that has happened? Mm, yeah. You know, this year, last year has been a huge year of self-learning. And uh, I would say largely just from being married now, you know, now that I have a partner I live with, my wife, Evan, she she's a great mirror to help me see even more clearly who I am um, and help me grow in that which has been a huge catalyst for growth. Uh, and I think some of the biggest things I've learned is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is very, uh, the achiever achievement oriented. And a lot of times I get so much fulfillment from that, but I don't uh, recognize my emotions or feelings along the way, or I don't um, understand them as well. So just understanding, just becoming more aware that, Uh, I need to be a little bit more in tune with how I'm feeling and taking time to acknowledge or become aware of my feelings and try to work on communicating those has been a huge growth process um, for me. And then the other is, uh, I think, um, just realizing how how often uh, I can beat myself up or hold myself to unrealistic expectations. You know, that inner critic is so loud within all of us, I think, as humans. And and so this idea that while I am a very, uh, very much an optimist, I, I err on belief. Um, I give kind of people the benefit of the doubt and ideas the benefit of the doubt and tend to tend to have a more optimistic worldview. When it comes to myself, I am often uh, much more the opposite, more the self-deprecator side of things. And so just understanding that, oh, wow, I, you know, this, this has persisted for a long time and I've just never really worked on changing or reconciling or even um, being more aware of it in the moment. It started, you know, back in the day when I was golfing and, and it, it's kind of natural in sports and competition. And so I just, I just kind of used it and, and lived with it, but now realizing it's still present in life and it still shows up and it's unhelpful. And so how can I uh, work on shifting the way I talk or think, talk to myself or think about myself is a, is a big part of the, the recent ahas that I'm, I'm currently working on. It's like one of the questions that I've been asked before, and I've, you probably heard as many, it's been talked about a lot. And it's one of those things where would you, the way you talk to yourself, would you date yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's one, and that's a big challenge. I mean, it, we're always going to treat others way better than we're going to treat ourselves. And uh, I think we're always, it, I think it's a work in progress. That's something I always have to work on too, because I'm very hard on myself. And especially mm-hmm. uh, my wife will say it, I'll say something. She's like, Oh no. And I'm like, no, it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? it, And that's it. And she's like, <laughs> I get it. I love that drive of yours. You know, you do do it. You somehow it works out, but she's like at the same token, she's just like, you know, I, but I hear your self-talk in the journey. That's what I don't mm-hmm. like. Cause if things don't mm-hmm. go well, or if you hit a course block, sometimes you're just like, man, how did I mess up? Why didn't I do this? 
I could have did this better. It's like, hold on, let's slow down, let's regroup. And then I get it back into my groove, but it's one of those things where it's a tough lesson, I think for anyone. And even, even just not only with yourself, but even your close people that are closest to you um, and how you treat others versus them is always, that's, you know, and it's always gonna be the closest person in any, in in a row here, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a powerful lesson, man. It's going to serve you very well. And that's the thing I look for. And a lot of the conversations I've been having with in the podcast on and off has been to like, you know, what we have gone through in the last year, man, the next three to five years of our life, no matter what shows up this year, you prepped, you're ready for it. But at the same Mm -hmm. token, it will be something that you are going to thrive so much more in life now because Mm -hmm. of that. Cause I know you did the work um, and it's going to be absolutely amazing to see all that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to think about how we've been prepared for what's next. And uh, I I love that you bring that out because it really is true. Um, and I, I, you know, you hear this, I think you don't see this online, right? Like if we just look online for this type of, um, thought, it's not there online is still doom and gloom and the worst news you can imagine mixed with a lot of hatred and fuel, uh, for anger. But if you start getting in, in person in real life, the story is the complete opposite, right? I was on a, I do some mentoring with high school students, at this company called Good City Mentors in LA. And we just had our first one of the, the semester yesterday. And, you know, everyone, the students included, were so um, hope filled and so um, desiring for everyone to be living with compassion and love and not hatred, you know, and, and everyone's communicating this individually, both mentors and mentees. Um, and, and really, you know, the narratives that you see online versus what is true in daily life with human interaction is there's a big gap between those two. And so I think we just need to remember that, um, as humans, uh, this is making us stronger and that we all want to grow together through this. Um, and that's a generality, like there's still bad actors, like there always will be, but, but as a whole people, people generally are, are wanting the same thing. Totally agree, man. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's one of those things that um, I kind of agree the same way. It's, it's people do want the same thing ultimately at the end of the day. Um, this was fun, man. I enjoyed having you on. Before I let you go, um, please share with everyone how they can connect with you, your new book and all that fun stuff and how they can follow with you. Yeah, well, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me back on. It's always good to do a round two here. And uh, the, the best place for people to go is thanemarcus.com. Uh, and that's where I got blogs and um, podcasts and uh, courses and coaching and all that. So books too. So you can go there and just find out whatever whatever interests you. Check it out. Um, and yeah, if you want to connect, uh, there's a contact form in there or on the socials at Thane Marcus is a great place too. Awesome, brother. Appreciate having you on. Appreciate you sharing your light and doing what you're doing, man. Uh, love the growth you've had and, and you're doing and continue to do. So uh, keep that light shining bright. Thanks, Vic. You too, brother. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.